Good morning, church. Oh, that's, yeah, that sounds nice. How's everyone doing today? Giving all honor to God who is the head of my house, the head of my life. I'm so thankful for his atoning work on the cross that allows me, a sinner, to be able to stand up here in front of all of you and tell you how good he is. I just want to thank my wife, who is always beside my side, my children, uh, the congregation, for letting me have this opportunity. Um, today we'll be coming from Colossians uh, 1, 13 through 20. That's page 6, 38 in the small Bible, ESV. I'll give you guys um, some time to look at it. But today I really want to focus on three things. I want to focus on the preeminence of Christ. There's five Ps that go with that preeminence. And more importantly, what does that preeminence mean to us? And so I'll give you a little bit more time before I read it. Colossians 1, 13 through 20. The word of God says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all these things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All these things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to him all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. Today, my message is called A Perspective of Preeminence. Come with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for simply who you are. Thank you for this time that we are able to spend together to reflect on how great you truly are in every aspect of our life. Right now, I'm asking that you just remove every section of Gregory Holtz and just fill me with your Holy Spirit as I'm handling your word today. I'm asking that everyone just be receptive of the word and that we just think about your majesty and your glory and the impact of your love that you have for us and how great it is. In Jesus' name, amen. So Eric asked me to talk about the book of Colossians because I've done a Bible study on it. And it kind of fits with the fact that you've been going through Hebrews. Hebrews kind of sets up the framework that Christ is everything, and that transfers lovely over to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is a doctrinal statement about the deity and all sufficiency of Christ. It is specifically trying to reinforce the perspective that Christ is Lord of all. If we go back to Colossians 1.18, where it says, in all things he might have preeminence. If we focus on that word preeminence, that means that you are superior to everything. It, it denotes a rank, authority. And so when we say that Christ is preeminent, he's preeminent over all things, everything in our life and our aspect. 
And that's what we admit as Christians. We're saying that we can't do it, but Christ can. But church, the thing is that through our Christian walk, we have a tendency to get caught up and muddled in what this world has for us. We get distracted. We get confused. And so we proclaim one thing, but our flesh takes over, and we get muddled and lost in the sauce, if you will. We have to remember that Jesus has an unshared supremacy. Regardless of our situation, we don't let things, we should let things get ahead of what Christ is for us. We let our emotions and our circumstances get the better of us. Instead of praying and believing, we panic. Instead of trusting, we run. We get busy and burdened with life, and we allow non-essential things to replace essential things like praying and fasting and believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. We tend to get lost in the human experience. We tend to want to control things that we have no control over, but we've already submitted that Christ is Lord, but yet we function in a way, and we have a perspective that's not focused on God. Why do we do this? I feel that's just the first sin. It's the way that we function, and though we admit these things that we need Christ, we, we, we move in other directions that have lost the perspective of Christ's authority. And that's why we point back to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is affirming the fact that he knows the way, and we don't. And so to really set up the whole point of Colossians, we're going to really focus on just the first chapter, 13 to 20, having the foundation of why Christ is preeminent. And there's five P's to his preeminence to help you remember the point of why we can save this fact. Point number one, Jesus Christ is preeminent because of his purchase. We can see that in Colossians 1, 13, and 14. God has delivered believers from the power of darkness. What is darkness? Darkness is generally a symbol of ignorance, falsehood, and sin. It is a state of being constantly manipulated by the enemy. That's Satan's power to tempt us to sin, which burdens us under the law. And see, the thing is, we can't get out from under that burden without Christ. There's nothing that we can do to get underneath that, out from underneath that burden. We needed a savior. And see, when it says that God has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ, it's referring to that burden and the fact that we need to be moved from under the power of Satan to under the authority of Christ. We understand that the penalty of sin is death, and yet we keep sinning and we were helpless to stop it. We needed an answer. We needed a savior. We were locked in darkness. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. And see, God transferred us from a power that was stronger than us to a power that is stronger than the enemy. That is Jesus Christ's divine authority and his kingdom. And we look further at the word kingdom. We're talking about the fact that this is an everlasting realm of salvation, which can be seen in 2 Peter 1 and 11 in which it says that all believers live in a current and eternal spiritual relationship with God under the care and the authority of Jesus Christ. The Father gave his Son the kingdom as an expression of his eternal love to the Son. That means that all of us who say that God is Lord is a 
gift and it justifies our salvation through Jesus Christ. We can look at John 6, 37, where it says, The Father that giveth him shall come to me, and to him that cometh to me I will no, long, no wise cast out. It speaks of redemption. And what is redemption? Redemption in the Greek means to deliver by payment of ransom. It refers to a form of slavery where we needed a price to be released. We were slaves to sin. We were obligated to follow the will of sin and had no power to leave the master. But by glory of God, he sent his son to die for us. Romans 5 and 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. It is Christ's redemption provided through his blood that gave us forgiveness of sins. Romans 6, 17, and 18 states that we were servants of sin, but we were freed from sins. And now, because we believe in the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are servants of righteousness. We are no longer obligated to be underneath the bondage of sin. We can fight against it because of the purchase of Christ. And see, we can push back against our sinful behaviors that we used to have. We can push back against those things because not of our own strength. We are underneath a more powerful authority that gives us strength to move forward, that gives us strength to resist the temptations of the enemy. We have Christ. It is a powerful statement for our Christian walk. We are no longer under bondage. We have freedom through Christ. And that is the importance of his purchase through his blood. See, his atoning work as a sacrifice of sin happened for us. No one else could pay that price. We must understand that. No one. It was only Jesus Christ who could pay that price. It is only Jesus Christ that can free us from that bondage. That's why it's important to remember that his purchase confirms his preeminence. We also see Christ is preeminent in his person, his person. We can see that in Colossians 1.15. What does that mean? If you look at the image of the invisible God, that means that he is a real, essential embodiment of God, not just a mere likeness. He's not, a, he's not like some weird clone. He's not an amalgamation. He is God in the flesh, undoubtedly. Not only is he God, he was fully God, he was fully man. He was perfect in every aspect, which speaks to his preeminence. How do I know that? Because scripture further tells us this. He was the deity of God. He was invisible God who became visible. John 1, 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus did not become God. He became a man, but he always was God. One with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2, 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was perfect in humanity and deity. He came to this world like all of us did. He moved. He spoke. He looked like we did. He was visible audible, approachable, knowledgeable, and available, just like we are. We all have conversations. I can see each and every one of you. I can tell that you're alive. I can tell that you're human. And that's the way that Christ was.
just like us, he was subject to the frailties of human nature. The Bible says that he was hungry. He was weary. He had pain. He was tempted. And he died just like us. But the thing that's different between Christ and us is that he lived without sin. He was born of a virgin. He performed miracles and he rose again. That speaks to his deity in his person. See, all that God is, Christ is. Walking among us. He's preeminent because he was a perfect, sinless person. Person. The third aspect of Christ's preeminence is his position, position, which we can find in Colossians 1.15, where it says the firstborn of every creature. This is a reference to Christ's deity and sovereignty in relation to creation. As we kind of referenced before, Christ was before all creations. He wasn't a part of it. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He created, he created angels. He created us. Jesus, through the power of the God, has the power of creation. And that's because of his divine connection to the Father. He inherited that right to create and the right to rule over those that he created. We look at Hebrews 1 and 2, where it says, His Son, whom hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he created the worlds. Jesus Christ is the rightful king of all creation. Not only is the rightful king of all creation, he is the head of the body, which is the church. Jesus controls every aspect of the church, gives it life, and more importantly, gives it direction. Christ is a full expression of God, and in reflection, Christ is a living expression, or the church is a living expression of Christ. Christ has filled the church with his presence, endowed us with his gifts and his purpose. And through that, we can spread the message of the glory of Jesus Christ through his power and through his authority and through his position. We can fulfill a work that he has ordained us to do. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are a living statement of the position of Jesus Christ and his authority over all. We are a living reflection of that. Not only is he first over all creation, first over the church, he is firstborn of the dead, as we can see. See, we can rise from the dead because Jesus rose from the dead. That is our belief. And see, when you look at what the world has to say, most people really don't question whether or not Jesus lived. Some people don't really question whether he died. The main point that they want to contend is, did he rise again? See, if he rose again, that confirms what the world is thinking is wrong and what God is right and that God is sovereign, that God has all power and that the way that we think is incorrect and maybe just possibly that the Bible is correct. But we know that because Jesus rose. And confirming the truth 
of the gospel, confirming that there is a God, confirming that not only is there a God, but that God is truthful, loves us, and is just. That is all within the resurrection. That is why people contend that. However, we believe that as the firm foundation of our faith, his position as firstborn of the dead provides that he is supernatural and that we need to follow him. He is positioned above creation in history. And in the same respect, his position is also tied to his power. His preeminence comes through his power, which we can see in Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that were in heaven and that were in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And so I really want to sit here for a second. We really got to think about the majesty of Christ. We really have to reflect on that. All of creation exists to be a demonstration of the magnificence of his glory. Christ is the reason that existence doesn't spin out of chaos. Nothing exists of its own inherent power outside of Christ. If God didn't will it, it doesn't exist. There is nothing that is out there that came into out of his own will. It is all subject to God. Therefore, it's all subject to Jesus Christ. Not only is he the creator, he is the sustainer of all things. And that's, I think that's the point where we get lost. We know that he created, but he also sustains, he takes care of, he monitors all things day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Could we manage the basic necessities of life in the way that Christ does? If I gave you the control over air for one day, how do you think you would function? If I, if I allowed Keith to just have the maintenance over when it rains, how much it rains, where it rains, do you think that he'd be able to do it? I couldn't. But that just speaks to our inefficiency, but the sufficiency of Christ as a sustainer. The law of gravity works because Christ permits it. The sun rises and falls because God allows it for his purpose. Atoms and molecules, the chairs that we're sitting on, the clothes that we're wearing, maintain and are woven together because Christ allows it. All things are under Christ's authority. And we see that he takes care of all of, his, all of these things. And we look at Psalms 1, uh, 47, 7 through 9. It says, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heavens with clouds who prepareth rain for the earth, who maketh grass grow upon the mountains. He giveth beast his food, and the, to the young ravens cry, food. Christ sustains and directs all things for God's sovereign purpose. Our existence continues because of his power. I want to also talk about the last P, his provision. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ, who justified us through faith, Romans 5 and 1. We can also look at Job 
uh, 9, 32 to 33, where Job is in the midst of his pain and suffering, in the midst of his trial and tribulation, and he cries out, if I only had a mediator to tell God how I feel, to tell God about my experiences, God couldn't possibly understand what it's like to be man. If only I had a go-to, an in-between, someone who wasn't as magnificent as God and lowly as me. I need a mediator. We have that through Christ. Christ is that mediator. See, because of his perfect person, because of his purchase, because of his power, because of his position, we can hold fast to his provision that he allowed us to be reconciled to God. Not only that, we can pray and be heard because of that mediator. Not only can we pray and be heard because of that mediator, that mediator understands us because of his preeminence as a perfect person. All this framework sets up why. Why is it important? Why, why should we be focused and understand his preeminence? What does that mean to us? Everything. It means everything to us. He is Lord of all and everything and the aspects of our life. He didn't just save us. He maintains us. In our Christian walk, we must understand that he maintains us. And we can look to these principles to understand that God has us and that he loves us so much. May I explain? See, we must trust that God, when he looks at us, frail sinners, that he sees the righteousness of his son's purchase. This is nothing that we did. I can trust that Jesus died for my sins and that the wrath that God has for the sins of this world will skip over me because of Christ's blood on me. We have to hold firm to that. We have to hold it. See, his purchase should make us reflect on how much we needed a radical change, which could only occur through Jesus Christ. Not only did that radical change need to occur through our the saving works, and once we got saved, that radical change continues to happen as we walk this Christian life. Our attitude needs to change because of, our per, because of his purchase. Our behaviors are going to change because of his purchase. Every, the way we think is going to change because of his purchase. Because he deserves it. We submitted to him. and Therefore, he has a better way of life than we do. And not only do, does he have a better way of life, we must be confident in that. We have to be confident that he died in our place and paid the full debt of sin, something that we could not pay. We have to trust that he alone is in control, regardless of our circumstances. We must believe that through Christ's purchase, our hope is restored. Not just the day that we said that we believe. Every day our hope is restored because of his purchase. Because of his person, we must be confident that Christ is worthy of our, uh, our, our devotion. We can look at 1 Peter 2, 21, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Jesus knows the way. And we should be confident that he knows the way. 
And so why is that important? When we fret and we get caught up in what this world has and we don't know what to do, that means as Christians we should follow Christ and we can go to Christ because he was the perfect person. See, I can't say that no one knows my pain. I can't say that no one knows my frustrations. I can't say that no one understands that because there was someone who understands that. It's documented. He went through it all and did not sin. So as we believe in him, we should walk with him. And in the midst of our weakness, we should follow him because of his preeminence in his person, if I can continue. Look, the question is that if Christ is the sustainer, which holds all things together, then we must be confident that he can sustain us through his power. And we really need to think about this in an in a open form and then zoom it back in, the power of God and how much he really controls. Psalms 8 and 3 says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, we must reflect on the truth that he who created the heavens and the earth, he who maintains all, he that permits all things can be with us. If he has the power to do all those things, if he has the power to make thunderstorms, he has the power to shift the earth underneath us, if he has the power to spin the earth and keep us in perfect rotation, not too close to the sun that we burn, but not too far away from the sun that we freeze, in perfection that he can handle our worries and pains. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We can give it to God who controls all things because he's preeminent. He's preeminent in his power. He has all these things. See, I can praise him. I can praise him through my pain, my frustrations, my worries because of his power. I don't have to worry. I could just give it to him. Why? Because he's amazing and he's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our praise. He's proving it as we sit here right now. We haven't span into chaos because God is holding us together. He's holding us together. And so when life gets hard, understand that God is holding you together. Why? For his purpose. His purpose. He has a purpose for it. His power is reflected through purpose. So whenever you're downtrodden, you're distressed, Reflect that God is good and his mercy endureth forever from his power. And, and through his atoning works, Christ provided reconciliation with God. And we have to understand and not forget that we have access to God. And so when we're going through these hard times, when we're going through these frustrations, we don't have to bear that on ourselves. The Bible says that we are to cast it onto the Lord. We've already submitted that we can't, and God can. So why don't we give it to God? Why do we sit in our anxiety? Why do we sit in our frustrations? We have the answer. It's kind of like whenever I'm outside and I'm getting ready to go to work and I need to leave on time and I'm patting my pockets and I can't find my keys. And realistically, it's in this pocket where I put it there. It was always on me. The answer was always there. Church. The answer is there. It's Christ. 
You don't got to look at other things. It's Christ. We have the answer. It's Christ. And he provided that reconciliation for us. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are ye, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. See, we have access to all of God's promises. The promise that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The promise that he'll keep us. The promise that in the weary times that he'll be there. All those promises are for us because of Christ's provision. We have access to that. Not only do we have access to that, we have to understand that Jesus is an ever-present help in our time of need. We can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Y'all just learned that in Hebrews 13 and 6. See, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us be obedient to God and to keep us from sin. He sent that help. He knew that we needed that help. He loved us so much that he sent that help. And we have to be confident that we have that help. We have help. We must be confident that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, which has been given to him. Why? Due to his position. We can see that reflected in Matthew 28 and 18. We have to trust that Christ is greater than our worries, that Christ is greater than our circumstances, that Christ is greater than all things. We have to put Christ at the head of everything, not just our salvation. He has to be ahead of the way that we interact with people. He has to be the way that we decompensate, that we have to move and function. Christ has to be the head of all things because he's preeminent. He deserves it. That's his position. And we shouldn't neglect that. So we need to remember that 1 John 4 and 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never forget that because we have Christ, we have everything. We have everything. What the world has to offer is nothing. We have everything through Christ. Because if all things are under the subjugation of Christ, then anything manifested by man is a lie and God is truth. But we have that. Christ is worthy of our trust, our faith, and our confidence simply because of who he is. And we trust in that because of the foundations of his preeminence and reflecting upon that. Jesus Christ is our hope for tomorrow. He is an unshakable savior. We change. He doesn't. And because he doesn't change, we can lean on that. We can lean hard on that. He is our hope for tomorrow. He and he alone. Just remember, he is preeminent on all things all sections of your life. He's preeminent in everything. And as a mindset, as believers, as we mature, as we walk closer with God, that we not lose sight of that, it can be hard because we're human. But that's okay. Because we're human and because we're inefficient, that is why we say that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
That is why we have the confidence in that. That's when we say, I can't, and he can. And be bold and tell the world who saved us, who gave us the bread of life, who died for our sins, who kept you through the bad times, who promoted you, who gave you all those things. It wasn't us, it was Christ. So if you don't remember anything I said today, Christ is preeminent. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing this time that we can reflect on who you are. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.